Wake the fuck up, samurai. We have a city to burn. You're listening to Don't Repeat This, the show where we talk about the stuff you're not supposed to bring up at the dinner table. I'm Nate. I'm Vicky. And Gail is out trying to teach Americans that replacing cheese curds with mozzarella automatically converts the dish to disco fries and you can no longer <laughs> call it poutine. We call it poutine, okay? Well, you're American. That's right. <laughs> and you could put whatever you want in poutine. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Gail. I don't know if Gail's going to want to come back after that. I know. I'm really sorry. I kid. So today, Vicky and I are talking about video games. Um, Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about video games. Yeah. Because we love video games. Are you playing anything right now? Or are you... uh... I mean, (laughs) am I playing anything? Like, seriously? No. Um, I'm really excited to eventually buy... uh, my my ps5 and my what is the xbox one called the the, the, the x xbox series x so excited so excited to see what that's all about but there's too much hype around it now and i've i've heard that you can't even get one so yeah um so so you're you're a um a playstation gamer i have a a ps4 i'm more of a pc gamer mm -hmm. and pc gamers are in kind of the similar boat um the the new graphics cards that were just announced you can't buy them anywhere oh man um, so anybody who wants to upgrade their pc they're sort of shit out of luck um yeah i'm not in an upgrade mode because i have uh hardware from like just this past generation so i feel like i'm my games are running just fine but yeah are you playing through anything right now I just started, uh, at the time we're recording this, Cyberpunk 2077 (gasps) just hit, and uh, yeah, I've been playing that, I say just started, I think I'm a solid like 10 or 11 hours in at this point. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Um, Ah, it's so good. It's like, okay, uh, caveat, if you're listening to this and and you're, you know, interested in buying it, it does not function well on PS4 or Xbox One. Um, you have to have, apparently you have to have a PS4 Pro, uh, or an Xbox One X at least, um, as far as the console goes. And it's really, it's really only functioning well on PC right now. Um, this is very sad news. Yeah. I'm very sad. But how, how is it for you? It's incredible. Um, I'm, I'm loving it so far. Uh, I might bring it up. Bring, uh, I might bring it up during our conversation because some of what I've noticed might be relevant to some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. Mm. But really quick, before we before we go in, I do want to. Since we're talking about video games today, that was a terrible segue. No, it was great. Keep going. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. Uh, since since we're talking about video games, what is your favorite, Vicky? <laughs> My favorite game out of all yeah. the games. Is- um. Out of all the games, or maybe it's Candy Crush, Nate. You know, Candy Crush. Yeah. No, I'm just oh, that's right. That's what all those invitations on Facebook were about. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what was that farming game on Facebook a long time ago? Oh my god. It was like uh, I forget what it was. I forgot what it was. People yeah. kept asking me to play with them. Farmville. Was, Farmville. Farmville. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's my favorite, actually. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. No. Uh, my favorite. So you're, game... you're a true gamer. <laughs> my... I know, hardcore. <laughs> my favorite game is Skyrim. 
um, I played Oblivion a little bit, and um, and we were just talking about this. Skyrim and Oblivion are like two totally different uh, worlds in terms. They of are gameplay, storyline, uh, graphics, uh, character creation, and design. Just mm. any any way you name it. Like there's language. There's a whole new language in Skyrim. There's like the the dragon language is its own. It has its own characters. It has its own. It's like it's like a Tolkien language. It's so cool. Um, nice. There's, you know, the races are all the same, but you can like really customize your race to fit you and you, how you look. Um, the armor upgrades, like the the side quests, the um, just this the storyline in general is is very similar to. Uh, it's like this giant geopolitical masterpiece. I I love it. Um, so I could hmm. go on and on and on, but Skyrim's my favorite game. It's great. What's your favorite game? My favorite game, um, I have so many. Um, I'm not going to reach that far back. But, uh, I'll go with more more of a recent game. Uh, it's The Witcher 3. And the reason I love it is that it's an absolutely incredible story. Uh, the gameplay isn't phenomenal. It's it's good. It's, it's not great. <laughs> but it's one of the most engrossing stories that I think I've ever uh, gotten into. And not just one story, it's, you you really feel like you've entered a world that is full of just a shit ton of stuff happening. And it's a world that you feel like continues even without you being in it. So Geralt does not need to, to even exist for this for this world to continue it's not one of those like chosen one tropes that keep yeah. popping up in video games it's literally like Geralt is um, essentially a monster hunter and there are other monster hunters and it's the the world would function without him no big deal but he's just going out there trying to rescue people and kill monsters and um yeah it's it's incredible also side quests in this game are almost imperative because some of the stories in the side quests are as good, if not better, than the main storyline. Um, wow! If, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, there's like different endings depending on like what yeah. choices you make in the game, right? Yeah, it's one of those kinds of games where you're the way that you play the game can have a pretty heavy impact on how the game rounds up uh, so cool. at the end. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I so I've put in uh, probably about 180 hours into the Witch Tree. That's not so bad. That's like <laughs> what is it? 180? Come on. I know I can still do more. <laughs> I'm, I'm only I'm only about a th- maybe a quarter of the way through my third playthrough, and yeah. I definitely want to finish my third playthrough. But Cyberpunk is out. I'm working on that. So cool. Yeah. Anyways, with that out of the way, I know The Witcher Three is going to come up in conversation <laughs> as well because well, there's a lot to talk about there. Yes. Um, specifically today on video games, um, we are going to be talking about some of the harmful tropes that exist in uh, maybe specifically the video games themselves. Though gaming culture, we might bring up. Um, yeah. But I think within the games themselves, we'll probably. Uh, focus in on yeah can i can i just say something if it's yeah, not yeah. clear we like video games we are not yes. ripping apart video games for the sake of ripping apart video games like we we like them we enjoy yes. them um i am a i am a lady nate is 
not white, and we still like them. <laughs> right. Uh, Which is essentially what's going to be coming up in our conversation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I just want to make it clear. Harmful tropes is not like video games make you a violent person or I don't. Someone might take this and be like, you know, they said video games are bad. We're not saying video games are bad. There's stuff in video games that's bad. So harmful tropes is referring specifically to common or overused themes in video games, which unintentionally harm or isolate um, or other people mm-hmm. in the game or people who are not portrayed as like the main character in right. the game. Is that fair? Absolutely. Okay. Um, as if I'm the audience. <laughs> Thank you, yes, audience. It's fair. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, and I also want to say that... Um, you know, while a lot of conversation has been uh, has has taken place over whether you know playing video games makes you a violent person, um, those theories have been debunked. But what we're talking about here are the kinds of unintentional messages that perpetuate harmful ideologies about people um, out in the real world that can be taught to. Um, to kids. And I think one of the reasons, it's kind of as a side tangent here, but I think one of the reasons that um, uh, playing violent video games doesn't make kids violent is because society at large teaches kids to not be violent, and Mm. you can't really function well in society if you are as violent as the characters in the games that you play. Yeah, The kinds of messaging that we're talking about are perpetuated from society at large within video games that then um, exacerbate the problems that we see in in culture overall. So I think first, um, maybe we could talk about race in video games. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and as Vicky said, I am not white. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Nate. <laughs> I should have been more specific. <laughs> Um, actually, you should introduce. I think I don't. I don't know if everyone un- like knows you personally who's listening. Right. So, so maybe you should introduce yourself. Yeah. So I'm Nate. <laughs> Hi, Nate. Um, I am uh, half Japanese, half Filipino American. Um, my Japanese side tends to come through a little bit more strongly because I. I think because this is just a theory I have because. My Filipino family have all my relatives on my Filip- the Filipino side of my family have all kind of Americanized, quote unquote. Um, whereas th- all of my Japanese family, with one or two exceptions, all still live in Japan. So I, I think part of it is that uh, I'm a little bit more intrigued by that culture. Whereas for me, my Filipino side tends to come across as just sort of a um, a different t- type of American. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that's my background. Um, I want to talk about race in video games uh, because <laughs> it's important to me. Um, yes. I think the first, the first thing I want to bring up is that um, there's one of the things that I've noticed in video games and that a lot of people have noticed is that there's a severe lack of BIPOC representation as protagonists in video games. Mm. Um, in a study of the top 10 most highly rated games, uh, from each year between 2007 and 2012, um, this guy, Ross Orlando, or this, this person, sorry, Ross Orlando, um, a graduate of Ithaca College, 
found that black and Asian characters each have about 3% representation in the pool of main protagonists, and Latino characters have just 1% representation. Mm. Um, And the reason I think that's important to note is that when you're playing a video game, uh, you're identifying with the character that you're controlling. Whether or not you are really seeing yourself as that character, you are seeing yourself represented or you are taking on the actions of that character and you're kind of seeing yourself represented in that character to a degree right and in that five year span of the most highly rated games the fact that there's what a uh, 93 percent white representation means that people like me aren't really seeing ourselves in in the games that we play. Mm -hmm. And while it's not, I I don't know that we can really, I mean, perhaps we can categorize that in sort of a harmful trope. I think the way that I would see that as harmful is more in terms of why representation is important. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we could talk about that in in media at large um, and, and how important it is to see yourself represented in media. I mean, like, well, this... Star Trek Discovery, if anybody's watch, watching that show. <laughs> um, I don't know how many people are, but the third season is fantastic. And one of the reasons that I think it is, is that they straight up introduced main characters into the cast who are nine, non-binary and transgender and are doing, and they've brought them in um, as represented by those people. Um, the non-binary character is played by a non-binary person. Very cool. The trans character is played by a trans actor. Very so, cool. So, um, I think that's important. And and yeah. So, anyways, I don't want to keep going down that that uh, yeah, that rabbit trail. But representation but- is important in any any media form. But I think especially in gaming because gaming is one of the first media forms that children are exposed to like completely unsupervised like if Mm. you're sitting at home on your living room couch with your family and like law and order comes on like you might have a parent next to you that's like okay like close your eyes or like get out of the room kid um you can't watch this you're too young but like for some reason books and video games are just like i don't know how that works like go have fun there's no right. supervision. There's no censorship by parents in a lot of cases. I mean, some parents pay attention to the E, what is it, ERSB? Yeah, ESRB. ESRB ratings. Um, but I I would probably venture to guess that like most, most parents do not. Um, and so if you're playing a game like Duke Nukem and you're like 10 years <laughs> old and we're going to get into that game in a yeah. little bit, uh, that may be your first exposure to like naked women it might also be your first exposure to like white men with guns if you're like a non-white person you don't have guns in your home so i think it is representation is important as it's to see yourself as the main character as a protagonist obviously but then when it when it comes to like how other characters are portrayed Mm -hmm. that's hugely important because now you're like there's good guys and there's bad guys which i think is incredibly problematic to just make people inherently good or inherently evil and not be able to interact with them in any meaningful way but Mm -hmm. um as a child there's good guys there's bad guys good guys look a certain way bad guys look a certain way and if only a certain percentage of 
people um, in the game are people of color and they all happen to be on one side of that. How is that going to change the way you as a child think about this moving mm-hmm. forward in your life? I don't know. I yeah. mean, I'm just just throwing it out there. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think um, for me, at least, I, I, I always want to be careful about stigmatizing stuff like violence or nudity, because, you know, in video games, there there's going to be a level of violence. And like we just said, um, I think society at large overall does a decent enough job at at, at trying to properly sensitize kids to violence. Um, <laughs> now, granted, American society is pretty horrendous at this, which is why I think a lot of these conversations tend to take place. Um, uh, out, you know, in, in Europe and, and other uh, slightly better, more uh more adjusted countries might might have have a a better approach socially adjusted social yeah socially adjusted yes that's fair um might have might have a a better approach or a or a more holistic uh way of uh of viewing this conversation and and i don't want to stigmatize nudity um because you know there there's 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 there are healthy ways of of um of express expression there are health there's healthy body image um sexuality as well i never want to stigmatize it because i think there's always healthy expression i think but i think what you're talking about is what we see in these kinds of games it's the objectification and the othering of women of people of color of people from other cultures from like just anyone who's not like a white man or a little white boy like it's Mm -hmm. it's now you're an object or a tool right in the game and and there's power in the the white male character the protagonist of the game who gets to go around the game and interact with everyone and everything else in the game as he or she sees fit yeah um so going to duke nukem as an example um You know what I think I'll do is I will read the description of the game that was um, presented in an essay uh, by Anthony Fai Xu, um, where he was the the article was entitled uh, "What Yellowface Hides: Video Games, Whiteness, and the American Racial Order." And so he describes the plot of Duke Nukem 3D as uh, as such he says duke nukem 3d presents us with a post-apocalyptic los angeles taken over by space aliens the mission of the game is to save the white women whom the aliens target for breeding at the same time the only human characters present in the game are white representing uh, the supposedly interracial la as the territory of whites only the aliens in a strange act of substitution become minorities and the ground of duke's mission shifts from preventing interspecies breeding to the threat of interracial miscegenation uh this is a far cry from the los angeles that mike davis refers to as a polyethnic polycentered metropolis uh, and the city that lisa lowe describes as nearing a time in which more than 50 percent of the population will be asian latino african-american and other minority populations Mm -hmm. um so there's there's your premise. Now, it's not overtly stated as such in the game, which is why I think none of this really played out as controversial when the game came out, and even up to now hasn't really been talked about in a lot of uh, gaming communities. Um, but the anti-miscegenation um, longings are very strong in the game. Uh, the 
idealization of the white character mm -hmm. is very strong and the the protection of the white woman in this game is also very strong but like the white woman is just a piece of furniture pretty much exactly like, it's, it's, it's the sorry protection and objectification yeah. protection of the white woman as property right. of the white man yeah yeah, yeah. He, he's totally like a chauvinist pig i mean oh, yeah. I, I i didn't know about this game until about 30 minutes ago i <laughs> i did my homework and i was like this seems like something i should look up and it, i was so disgusted i was like no wonder i haven't mm. heard of this game before i mean i had heard of it but i had never like really looked into it it's gross it's absolutely yeah. disgusting die you son of a bitch Damn, shake it, baby. It's time to abort your whole friggin' species. It's just, it's, it's like this white power trip. Mm -hmm. It's like this man is like super powerful and he's got all these guns. He's gonna shoot all of the, the aliens who I really think is just kind of a covert, like thinly veiled uh it's it's black people yeah the stand-in <laughs> yeah the stand-in for black yeah, people. yeah. I, I mean and not only that it's like a new he's protecting white women from being like raped but in uh, the women are not you can't they're not playable characters you can't really interact mm -hmm. with them they're not like they there's no meaningful like interaction between mm -hmm. him and the characters um right so it's just it's like i'm a white man and i'm gonna do white man like army stuff and blow shit mm -hmm. up and there's i think there's also like cursing and yeah yeah well <laughs> i mean the cursing in and of itself isn't bad but it's the 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 way that that cursing is used oh yeah um i mean there's there's a lot of homophobic language in 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 the game as well is it really yeah i'm not surprised um, so Duke Nukem is kind of just your overtly problematic game. Uh, I think games in general tend to have more subtle uh, racial stereotyping and, mm. and issues there, um, like BIPOC representation in video games. Um, when, when BIPOC are represented in games, they tend to be depicted in some of the more harmful stereotypes like you know black men are more likely to be represented as aggressive or athletic side characters mm -hmm. than they are as heroes or the central protagonists um there's uh there's a game called shadow warrior which was made by the same people that made duke nukem um okay. that yeah it, it basically takes duke nukem um but your main character is uh um a guy named lo wang who's supposedly a Chinese ninja. So okay. thanks for paying attention to the difference between Chinese and Japanese culture there, uh, 3D Realms. That's great. Okay. Um, and and the, the game brings... Uh, and also the depiction of, of the main protagonist. Isn't this like, you know, muscly uh, superhero guy like Duke Nukem, but he's this kind of, you know, um, mysterious yet um, kind of decrepit asian man who can't speak english properly um and and he's not as as sexually virile <laughs> as duke nukem is um okay and it also presents the the problem of uh of yellow face in um in video games yeah um 
that you're that you're in a first person shooter portraying this very stereotyped Asian character who's who's comical. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like and as as a uh, an East Asian American, I obviously have a lot of feelings about that game. But let's let's talk about some of the more subtle things, right? You had mentioned earlier that your favorite game is Skyrim. I hate to like tear it apart, but you like you're no, familiar being. <laughs> You're you're familiar with Skyrim, so you can talk about some of this stuff and some of like the the more subtle racial stereotyping that, that goes on in the game. Absolutely. Um there's so much. There's so much going on. So I guess one thing to know about Skyrim is that it draws very heavily from like a lot of fantasy draws very heavily from J.R.R. Tolkien. Um and so all of the races pretty much i think with the exception of khajiit and maybe argonian i'm looking at mike are are <laughs> kind of dra- mike's like i don't know <laughs> what that means <laughs> um the lizards and the cats yeah the lizards and the cats come from uh, yes. come from tolkien um pretty much so there's you got your your normal humans you have like orcs there's elves the orcs definitely come from tolkien yeah there's um I mean, there's different kinds of elves. There's there's three different kinds of elves. Um, yeah. But the problem, and this is this also kind of comes from Tolkien, and I love Tolkien, but I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip on him a little bit. Mm. Um, orcs are sort of um, these like they're humans, but they're like not fully human, and they have dark skin. Um, I think in like the original like tolkien you know i don't think they had green skin but i could be wrong um in skyrim they make they make them have green skin they have broad noses they have big lips um and they sort of resemble black people and Mm. um tolkien you know kind of did the same thing too where they were completely dehumanized they're sort of this evil race of barbarians they're basically like yeah they're barbarians right um, what Skyrim does that's a little bit different is they introduce a race of people called Red Guards, which are actual black people. Um, and they're uh, kind of like, they kind of look uh, Middle Eastern. They have Middle Eastern dress. They wear um, these sort of like robes, like linen robes, and they have um, turbans. Um, and I think I think that's, um, in part for representation, but I think also it's in part to distinguish that like orcs aren't black people. Like they're they're orcs. They're they're completely different. So like don't get it twisted. We're not trying mm-hmm. to like right. dehumanize people of color. But in in reality, I think originally that's well. I think um, and my understanding of Tolkien is um, so I'm I'm a huge. Well, I was a huge Tolkien fan when I was in high school. I read um, you know. All of the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I started off reading The Hobbit as a kid. All of the Lord of the Rings, The Silmarillion, um, The Children of Hudin. I've I've gotten into Tolkien, and something that I sort of have been wrestling with um, is the the there's a conversation going on in academia about Tolkien's approach to uh, black people and his the way that he considered or thought of African nations. Yeah, and. And I'm, I'm not saying that he definitely had black people or people from African nations in mind when he created the orcs, but there seems to have been 
something in his creation of the orcs that leads a number of Tolkien scholars to think that that they may have stood in for a bit of his ideas surrounding uh, black people and orcs. And and some of that also plays into the um, uh, the human characters who were allies of Sauron. So if you watched the Lord of the Rings movies or if you uh, if you if you read the books, um, you'll know that uh, in, in the Return of the King film, I think, you'll see that there were these humans that showed up that were villains. And um, there, I don't remember if the movies made it very clear, but those were the humans that had allied with Sauron. Mm-hmm. And those characters for Tolkien were men from the East. And they were represented by an imaginary kind of arabic and in the in the film they are sort of depicted in that sort of yeah. uh nebulous arabian kind of look you yeah. know that that middle eastern sort of style yeah and, and so another thing in skyrim is like one of the first quests that you get side quests um is you have to find this red guard woman and so like you walk into white run which is like the, the central city and there's like these two red guard men and they have like the the curved sabers um and then they have like their you know arabic dress and they're like we're looking for a woman and um we'll pay any price to find her and just find her when you find her let us know and we'll we'll take care of it and basically you find this woman and she's um she's basically working in an inn in the back room she's kind of like a servant she's not really making a whole lot of money but she's in hiding and you eventually find out that she's like royalty. Um, at least she says she's royalty, and she's like they're trying to kill me because they want to like overthrow the regime back home. Um, so please don't turn me in. If you kill them, like I'll, I'll I'll help you out. And then you go back to them. You it's basically a choice. Like you can either help her or you can help them. Either way, you have to kill a bunch of people of color. So it's it. There's no like nobody's innocent, and it just seems like there's a lot of sketchy biz going on in Skyrim um, with mm. with red guards because they're trying to have people assassinated. That's not to say that doesn't happen with other races, but that's like one of the first, if if not the only interaction that you really have with red guards in the entire game. Like that you mm. that you really have to have. There's no mm. real other reason that you have to interact with with um, that race in the game which is which is problematic right like it's not yeah. like you like meet someone on the street and they're like hey like you want to be my friend or like hey like let's go and like go do this together and we'll be equals it's kind of like you're you have to betray one person of color to like help the government of people of color or you have to like betray the government and then help like it's just it it doesn't make sense to me um mm. why that was put in there and also the fact that like they're arabic like that's weird to me (laughs) yeah yeah there's i i think what for 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 me at least and and my perception of some of how this conversation is going um i i don't want people to think that we're saying that because there's this sort of reductionism within video games this is going to inform your perception of other races outside of video games Mm. But where it's problematic is that this reductionism kind of exists, and whether consciously or unconsciously, and I really believe that for the majority of game developers, these things are unconscious, Unconscious. um, there is this reduction of races that then represent real-life cultures that are problematic. And 
you know, my hope is that overall people can overcome some of these messages that are coming through. But like you were saying, Vicky, video games are, you know, often the first sort of media form that kids are exposed to without their parents' kind of guidance and interpretive um, interpretation along the way, right? Yeah. Um, so these more subtle messages can can find their way. I, and and I know we're going to say this like multiple times. You've said it at the beginning. We're not advocating for not playing any of these games. Like I said earlier, The Witcher 3 is one of my favorite games of the past 10 years. Right. But holy shit are there problems in that yeah. game um and i would never not recommend that game to somebody like vicky i want you to play the witcher 3 i will <laughs> but, at some um, point i will it looks yeah. great <laughs> but like i would also i would also caution people to pay, pay attention to to some of these messages in in these games yeah i think if you truly love something or someone and, and you don't really examinate examinate examine <laughs> that thing or person and and see their their the good parts and their flaws you don't truly care about them like because it's impossible to really know someone without knowing everything about them and i think the same is for true for a game like i have there's so many games that i love that after examining them i'm like this is problematic but like mm -hmm. i still love it it's still a great game yeah, like we were talking uh, before we hit record, we were talking about a game that both of us loved as kids, mm -hmm. um, The Legend of Zelda. And um, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this later on when we get into um, you know women in video games. But that's a game that we both absolutely love, but has some pretty harmful elements when you when you look back at yeah. uh, uh, at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I want to talk quickly about um, sort of uh, the again the portrayal of minorities in video games, but uh, specifically there was a um, a survey done in 2015 by the Pew Research Center uh, that found that 35% of Black people, 36% of Hispanic or Latino people, and 24% of white people um, who were um, who participate in the survey believed that minorities are portrayed poorly in video games. Um, it's kind of telling that like the black and Latino uh, responses are pretty similar and the white responses are uh, <laughs> uh, not quite as similar yeah. percentage wise, but um, we, I, I love you white people, but come on. <laughs> we agree. Pay, pay attention. Well, come um, on white people. <laughs> we, we can do better. Yeah. Um, so like there so for the example that they gave was um sports video games and oh that God. there's this <laughs> high like high percentage of black and this is a difficult one because like how are you going to develop um a FIFA game or an you know a Madden game without black characters because they are real life black people that exist in those yes. leagues yes um and the the i think the one of the challenges there is is what um journalist adam clayton powell iii referred to as high-tech blackface <laughs> um which essentially is is that like you know white players white gamers can play black people um and and sort of what he says quote-unquote try on blackness mm. without without actually having to acknowledge or confront um 
the the degrading racist histories surrounding mm. blackface minstrelsy um which i'm not like i don't i don't have any kind of solution right because like how you can't make a madden game without you know any black players like that's yeah. not possible i, I don't then, know about this one and i'm a white person and i am probably wrong so i'm just gonna put it out there but i don't know about this one because if you what if your favorite player on a football team happens to be black and you want to play as your favorite player like because he's really good i don't mm. see a problem with that okay i mean i there there probably is a problem that i'm not understanding and I will be very real and just acknowledge that. But yeah, I think that alone, like being like, I want to play as my favorite, like NFL player, and I'm bad at football knowledge, so please <laughs> forgive me. Um, right. I I think that that's okay. I don't yeah. think that that's inherently bad. But to just say like I'm going to be like this this black football player when I'm playing a game with my friends because it's funny and like, I'm going to allow mm -hmm. them to like taunt me and like make jokes, like, like racial jokes about yeah. you know this person's race while I'm playing. That's, that's messed up. Yeah. And that's yeah. not cool. And I think, I think there's, there's something to be said for, obviously something to be said for that, which is absolutely like you were saying, that's, that is absolutely fucked up. But, um, I, I kind of I, I feel the same way as you like as as a non-black person um, if I'm you know if I play as let's say PK Subban who's one of my favorite NHL players um, if I you know put him on my well I mean he did play for the Montreal Canadiens but he I don't I anyway, sorry. Just, is there is there a hockey Madden? <laughs> yeah yes there's sorry I'll back up let me just or so if I play as if I if I put PK Subban on my NHL team in NHL in an NHL video game, um, even as a non-black person, I you know I think it's fair to say like yes, he's one of my favorite players. I want to throw him on my um, on my team, um, and I want to play as him in in the game. I, I I do think that there is. I don't know that there is that video games or at least in this particular scenario, the video games is a great way to kind of address this. Um, I also want to welcome, uh, or I want to uh, open the door for some feedback. So if like you're listening to this and you follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you know, please l l get get into the conversation. Cause this is something that yes. it, it seems like Vicky and I don't really please have. Please educate me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lost. Like, <laughs> I like, I don't know how to, how to think through this either. But what I will say though is, let's say you're playing a role-playing game, and you um, you create in your character creation tool as the game starts, you're a white person that creates a black character. Like again, another question: like, is that is that amazing? Is that awesome because you're you're creating a black character and you're like, hey, you know what? I want to put a black, or is that akin to blackface? Um, well, so okay, so I will say in Skyrim. Not to go back to Skyrim again, but every race has its own uh, like uh, race multipliers. There's like there's like mm -hmm. skill tree multipliers that you get depending on your race. So I recently did this, and please call me out on Twitter or on on Instagram or on Facebook um, if you're listening. If this if this is really messed up, but I did it because I had never played as a red guard before. So my last playthrough, I started as a red guard because I wanted to see how it would affect my gameplay, like how it would affect my battle. 
um, I kind of wonder that, that that raises the question then for me is why are certain skills <laughs> yeah limited to particular races yeah they i mean that, they're not it's just some some people start out better and they level up faster but yes oh, okay. that's messed up like cuz so Khajiit are really good they're the cat people they're really good at like two-handed uh like non-weapon battle because apparently they have claws right um argonians mm. can swim and breathe underwater which is completely useless in the game because you don't spend a lot of time underwater um red guards are really good in battle they have um they have this thing called the i think it's the berserker this this may be orcs i may be getting them mixed up which is terrible but there's there's this there's like a, a battle cry that you can use that makes you like um kind of get really strong in battle for a short amount of time um mm -hmm. you know N nords are resistant to cold and frost and mm -hmm. imperials find gold everywhere so like every every race has there's like a little bit of like there's something messed up but that's their special skill yeah yeah um, i mean so like i don't know for me it, it feels a little less problematic when your race is like you know, cat people or lizard people, mm -hmm. they don't seem to stand in or represent any, you know, real, real, real life race. Um, but it's still, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know, how, like, that it feels quite as problematic, but there's still something there that, yeah. that I think could, could open up further, like, like wider conversation. Um, I do want to, uh, in, in what little time we have left, and I think what we'll do is we'll, end the conversation on race and then next week you'll hear our continuing conversation on women in video games um which uh for us it will be within 10 minutes of this episode but for you it'll be a week so you gotta wait um <laughs> <laughs> but uh but to kind of round out our conversation on race in video games i want to take it home for me and my own kind of personal experience um as a a, a um an, as an asian american um, so there's, um, like, like we're kind of talking a bit about, uh, about blackface when it comes to black characters in, in video games. Um, I also kind of want to talk a little bit about, um, like yellow face and the depiction of Asian characters in, uh, American developed games. Um, so the, the thing for me though, is that there, there are already some very harmful stereotypes that exist, um, for Asians and Asian Americans. Um, and I think many have, and I'm going to go ahead and, and do this as well. I'm going to point out the fact that it is confounding and confusing for me and conflicting for me, because I, while I, I love seeing myself represent represented in video games, I also feel a little conflicted when I see Asian cultures poorly represented, mm -hmm. you know, shadow warrior being a, a, a great example of that but also a horrible example of mm -hmm. that where um asian culture is just sort of like okay well J japanese and chinese people are all the same let's just throw them out there so we've got a ninja named lo wang and the whole the, the whole inv playing environment is all just mm -hmm. some weird amalgamation of um of Ch japanese and chinese uh culture because that's what um you know westerners are familiar with and so we're gonna throw that in every game yeah um and so there's this this concern that I have of 
poor representation of of these cultures and this isn't just limited to japanese and chinese cultures but they seem to be um out there because of um what what i think of as as and it's not a, a term um original to me others have used it but sort of exotification mm -hmm. this excited othering or fetishizing of cultures um like japanese culture like chinese culture that you know has behind the scenes white or american like white american people who are writing the stories the executives that are profiting off of um these video games and it just i don't know like you know i mentioned earlier the concept of yellow face and it's and it's uh, you know problematic representations that ha how it serves to um degrade and um invisibilize if that's a if that's a word mm -hmm. i'll make it a word uh to invisibilize asian characters um in in all sorts of of media like um there's a there's a concept called asian erasure in hollywood and and that's uh you know the the severe limitation of asian um ethnicities within uh within hollywood films which is why um oh, a film yeah. like yeah like a film like crazy rich asians was such a big deal for me yeah um and i like i didn't love the movie but i and yet i did love it because it was an all asian cast and all asian crew all asian producers right um i'm thinking about like a movie like breakfast at tiffany's where yeah there's an asian uh character yeah. who is just a stereotype of a, i guess a chinese man from but it's a ja he's a japanese he's a, oh he's japanese see yeah. i'm this is my white ignorance but also played by a white man and he has mm -hmm. mickey rooney has mickey rooney. buck yep. teeth and is very much uh it's offensive yeah. like that movie did not age well no. I'll just I'll just put it <laughs> no, there. It did not. It's it's horrible. Um, yeah. And yet, yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff went on for a long time after it. Just casting mm -hmm. white people in roles of people of color, and this is yeah. this almost seems like a continuation of yeah. that. Yeah. Um. So then, the last thing I want to talk about is a game that recently came out, um, and and came out to massive praise and. I feel very conflicted about it. As a, a Japanese American, um, the game is uh, is Ghosts of Tsushima, which, I mean, it received a ton of praise. And I, I've seen, I got excited about it. So when it was announced, um, I don't remember what year it was announced, but it was announced a few years ago, and I got really excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, samurai cult, like historical samurai culture was going to be depicted in a video game, in a high-profile um, Western video game. So I was pretty excited but the more i followed the development process the more i kind of really thought about because i was conflicted like why i i love japanese video games um you know like i play a ton of japanese video games uh but why why was you know an event that's so um crucial to japanese mythos and the the japanese sort of legendary history why was that event being written and developed by white people um why were white people the ones profiting off of this mm. story um and 
I, like, I haven't played the game, so I can't really speak to the game itself. And I, I, I feel eventually that I might play it because it looks gorgeous. Um, and everybody, all my friends are telling me how amazing it, it is. Um, so I might play it. But so one of the problems I had with it was that white, it was a white American development process. There was not that there was it was very arbitrary what they were going to decide was authentic Japanese and what was sort of just a fant fantasy or fictionalized version or where they were going to take liberties and I, like I don't know how much of that was influenced by their um, consultants their their Japanese consultants and how much of that was just like hey we want to make a cool game we want to tell the story um, yeah we know that katana wasn't developed until the like 14th <laughs> century but it's a 13th century game and we want we want katanas in there you know like that kind of stuff and, and a lot of it is pop culture like Western pop culture about what the samurai looked like um, one of the other things that that I kind of find a little bit annoying about the game again I haven't played it so I I can't really say that I have much experience with this, but they have a mode in the game called uh, Kurosawa mode, which <laughs> what that does to the game is it adds a film grain, it puts it in letterbox, and it uh, it puts the game in, in black and white. It makes it more Asian, right? Yeah. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> Kurosawa's films contributed to uh, cinema history and cinema culture in a way that few other films have yeah. for a whole number of reasons. But this game kind of is like, well, the reason those movies were so great is because they were in black and white. They had samurais and katana, <laughs> uh, katanas and... Um, That's it. And film grain. Yeah. Don't think so, about it too hard. <laughs> yeah. Kurosawa mode is this, you know? like So there's that. And then the 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 one thing that I think really bugged me was um the the japanese language track in the game so in gaming there's what's called the lip flaps and um <laughs> the 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 lip flaps is basically like the 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 way that the characters move their mouths in conjunction with the the language track now um, I gotta give props to one of my favorite franchises, though I, I have a lot of issues with it, the Final Fantasy franchise. Mm. Now, the more, more recent Final Fantasy games, they've had, like, really high-end graphics where the characters are all, you know, moving their mouths in sync with the audio. And every Final Fantasy game that has done this has animated their characters multiple times in order to match the language track that's being played. So if you're an American playing the game with an English language track, you're going to watch characters moving their mouths in sync with English. Wow. The game is made by Japanese people. Yeah. Their Japanese language track, of course, because it's originated in Japan, all of the characters are moving their mouths in sync with Japanese. But apparently, Sucker Punch, the developers of, the, of Ghost of Tsushima, couldn't be bothered with animating their characters to match <laughs> Japanese. And I don't know if maybe it, w it had something to do with the game engine that they chose or, or, or whatever, but... For fuck's sake, guys, like, Final Fantasy has been doing this for years. Could could you not have, yeah. I don't know, taken the time to, like, you're making a, and the Final Fantasy game, sorry, I'm on, I'm on a soapbox because I'm pissed about this. Yeah. The Final Fantasy games take place in a fantastical environment. They're not right. a real world environment. You've made a game that takes place in Japan with Japanese characters yes. and you have a Japanese language track. Why the fuck? And you want to replicate 
this whole Kurosawa film thing where you want to put your characters in and you're speaking in Japanese with English subtitles, but it feels like a bad dub mm. of like, you know, characters who are speaking one language and you're hearing another language, but it's not Japanese that the characters are speaking and you're hearing ja- uh, English. It's you're watching the characters speak in English, these Japanese characters speaking in English while you're hearing Japanese. So I don't know. I, it's, I guess it's I'm all on that. very strange. Yeah. It's all. It just yeah. seems like they're kind of putting on uh, a mask of like this is Japanese culture, but then like some of it is not real. Some of it is like misplaced time wise, like you said. Yeah. Some of it is fantastical, but they don't tell you which parts are fantastical or not. So if you're a kid, you're playing this for the first time, and you're like, I'm learning about the history of Japan in the 13th <laughs> right, century. Right. Wow! Right. I can't wait to write my report on this. Like yeah. it's. You're, you're going to be wrong, but nobody is going to know in America because everyone is sort of uh, okay with this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not everybody, but, you know, by and large, no one's going to... F- the game has been lauded as, like, this amazing masterpiece. I have, yeah. you know, so... And I, you know what, I look at it and I think, yeah, it is a technical masterpiece. I think the the thing that frustrates me more than, than most anything else, even though I went on a tirade about the Japanese language track, but... <laughs> <laughs> the thing that frustrates me more than anything else is that this the um the story of uh or the legend of what took place at Tsushima is such a big part of Japanese mythological history and yet uh, an American company run by mm. white American executives is the company that's profiting off of this story. Um I don't know. I I to me that's the most problematic thing about about Ghost of Tsushima. Am I going to play it? Possibly. Probably. It looks really cool. But I, like, it It just bugs me. Anyways, sorry, this episode has gone on long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, please come back next week because, like, the the conversation surrounding women in video games is has, I think, much more important content that... Oh, um, no. That, yeah. Oh, come on now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not... It's not a competition to who's more yeah. oppressed, Nate. We're all we're all oppressed. Hey, that's yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I think you know what it is. I think in video games, it's a little bit more blatant. Um, that's true. Than than it is in uh, than it is when it comes to race. Although you know now now that we're becoming a little bit more aware of it as we've had these conversations. Um, yeah. It's it's becoming pretty obvious to us but in any case come back uh definitely come back next week we're going to talk um about women and their depictions in video games um but anyway that does it for today's episode thank you so much for listening um please i know we've had a lot of opinion sharing on this episode so feel free to share your thoughts your feedback um we love to hear what you have to say um so if you haven't already subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app um, and if you don't have one yet, head to don'treatpeatthispodcast.com to see a list of all the apps that we are available on. Uh, share this episode with your friends and family. Rate and review us on iTunes. And follow us on social media. We are at Don't Repeat This Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Don't Repeat Pod on Twitter. On behalf of my co-hosts, Gail and Vicky, I'm Nate, and this has been Don't Repeat This. So don't repeat this stuff at the dinner table. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>